Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. So dreams are like the weirdest thing ever to me. Uh, it's not very often that I wake up from a night of sleep and I remember my dreams, but when I do remember them, they're usually just bizarre. Uh, and what's really weird to me are recurring dreams. That's just something I don't get. And I only recall really one recurring dream that I've ever had. And honestly, just telling this story, it's probably going to open up a window into my soul that I wish I'd just kind of kept closed from the world. But uh, when I was little, I had uh, kind of a real fa fascination with Elvis Presley. I don't recall any of my friends liking him, but for some reason I did. Uh, I loved his gospel hits, gospel greatest hits album. Uh, one of my favorite songs was one of his last, his final hits called Suspicious Minds. Um, but probably one of my favorite songs he ever did was his version of Unchained Melody. I think it's undoubtedly one of the greatest songs of all time. And I actually got up during a concert my senior year of high school and I sang that song at the, our end of the year concert. And I even I had my Elvis lip going on the whole time, you know, like, look at, look at remote, all that. Like, okay, it was awesome. I was super cool back then. Uh, but somehow I had this recurring dream, I had it two different times, uh, that I went to an Elvis Presley concert. Which is weird since he actually died four years before I was ever born. Uh, but I'm at this concert and there's snakes all over the f floor. I hate snakes. I love Elvis. You know, I don't know what this means on a psychology level. Uh, Maybe it just means I'm super messed up. But then Elvis gets sick and they call me up to, to go on stage to finish the concert for him. And so I remember getting up on this table and I'm singing all these Elvis songs. And the, these snakes are crawling up the table to get me. And then all of a sudden, I'm going up some steps to go backstage. And just before I'm about to walk through this door to meet Elvis, both times I wake up. You talk about disappointing. Like, you talk about a, a dream that I'm sure any psychologist would love to have some fun with. It's a crazy dream. But dreams like that are weird. Uh, we all have dreams for our lives that mean something. You have dreams for your kids. You have dreams for your finances. You have dreams for your physical health. You know, I've got a buddy who, he's 26 and has the most defined six-pack that you've ever seen in your life. And I don't. And so I keep telling him that the day is coming where it's not going to be easy for him to eat all the food that he wants to eat and still look like he does. But he's convinced that he'll have a six pack until the day he dies. I've never wanted a person to gain weight more than this kid just so I can rub it in his face, this crushed dream of his. And that's the thing about our dreams. They're fragile. Our dreams are shakable and they can, they can be done in in so many number of ways. And if you and I are finding our joy and placing our identity in seeing our dreams be carried out, we're never going to survive this life, either emotionally or spiritually. Dreams die. And how are we supposed to deal with that reality? And our lead pastor, David Clark, he talks a lot about the dream of God, that, that dream of God, uh, it's, this dream of God is for people to find their way back to him. And the dream of God is altogether different than our dreams. Uh, the dream of God is absolutely unshakable. Our dreams are not unshakable. And that's, that's what this series is called that we're talking about right now. The series we're, called, we're in is called Unshakable. How do we deal with the reality that our dreams can just kind of fall apart at any moment? 
we deal with it by holding on to this dream of God for our lives that it's, it's unshakable and we hold on to it with an, uns, with an unshakable steadiness. And we hold loosely to our own dreams. So let's talk a little bit first about, about God's dream for you. But as we're doing that, first let's talk about what his dream is not. What isn't God's dream for you? A big fancy house. I, I think that God, I don't think he's against you getting a big fancy house, but that's not God's dream for you. You know, a stress-free day-to-day life. He probably doesn't want you to be, a, you know, this big old stress ball every day. But I don't think that an ease in life is his dream for your life. I think about my dream for my kids. And, you know, man, I don't, I don't care if they succeed by the world's definitions. I don't care if anyone outside of a two-mile radius of Janesville ever hears their name. Um, fame is nothing. In fact, fame might be the last thing on my dream list for my kids. I want them to be hard workers. Uh, you know, but if that means that they're still in the bottom half of their class academically, okay. I want them to be happy, but when they hurt, I know that that hurt is, it's only going to add to their character if they allow it to. You know, I may have desires, but those desires don't always add up to my dream for my kids. My dream for my kids, it really boils down to one thing. I want them to know Jesus, and I want that knowledge to be the thing that fuels their everyday living. And here's what God's dream for you is. And it's unshakable to its core. Uh, His dream is that you know his son, Jesus, and that the life of Jesus actually transforms your life in the way that you think, in the way that you live, in the way that you love. Now, frankly, I think that he's willing to use whatever he needs to use to try to bring this dream to fruition. That's why the big house isn't his dream for you. In fact, I think he's probably okay taking every one of us through a stretch of homelessness if, if that means bringing this dream of you knowing Jesus and becoming more like him, if it, if it becomes more of a possibility. And that's a hard thing to say. I don't think that it's God's dream for us to be homeless. Uh, but if that's what it takes, I, I don't know. You know, when we say that God's dream for you is unshakable, uh, some of you might be looking around in your life and you're like, there... There is no way that this right now is God's dream for me. And if it is, I don't want it. You know, looking around our country the past few weeks, these circumstances are not God's dream for our country. It's just not, plain and simple. God's dream is not to see a country divided by race or politics. Uh, But when it is divided in those ways, that doesn't mean that God or his dream for this country is shakable doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the dream or that God is weak. God's dream is never found in circumstances. God's dream is always found in the person of Jesus. His dream isn't found in your circumstances. It's found in your character becoming more like Jesus each and every single day. That's his dream for you. Who are you becoming in the midst of all the things that you're experiencing in life? That's really what it's all about. God's dream for you is that you develop the heart of Jesus. And that dream can actually become a reality reality in the worst of circumstances. In fact, maybe that dream becomes a reality more often in the worst of circumstances. Now, how have you been challenged in your way of thinking in the past few weeks? If you're like me, probably quite a bit. How many of you have discovered a part of your heart that needs refining? How many of you have been awakened to God's dream for racial reconciliation in a way 
that maybe you were asleep to only two weeks ago? Have you spent more time listening and less time giving your opinion? I think that I've actually been partially deaf and blind to what friends of mine, people of color, what they've, how they've felt and what they've experienced throughout their lives. And there's probably ways that I'm going to continue to not fully get it where, where I'm going to continue to need character refinement. But do you see how in the worst of circumstances, God's dream for us, it carries on. If I can more fully understand the heart of Jesus for people, and if you can more fully understand the heart of Jesus for people in dark moments like the ones that we're witnessing, uh, then God's dream for us, it's carrying through. It's not about the circumstances. It's about the character that God wants to build into us through the circumstances. It's about you and me knowing the heart of Jesus more and living out the heart of Jesus in our day-to-day -day living. And so what we're going to do right now, we're, gonna, we're just going to take a quick break. We're going to sing another, another worship song together. And when I come back, uh, we're going to take a look at a dream that God shared with the people of Jerusalem in the Old Testament. And I think it's going to have some awesome application for us today. So let's look now at a dream that God had for the people of Jerusalem. And it's a dream that the, the prophet Jeremiah prophesied about. Um, and this is a pretty well-known dream. It, at least there's one verse in this that's really, really well-known. Uh, but this comes from Jeremiah 29, verses 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now, this is one of the greatest dreams that is recorded in the Bible. And this is that place that Christians often look to when, when we want to talk about the dream that God has for us. We pull out Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And doesn't that feel nice? That, that verse by itself, it's, it's pretty cute and dainty. Yet it almost has no bearings whatsoever on our experience, what it looks like and what it feels like sometimes. And we've got to realize that this is a specific dream for the people of Judah and to all the people that are living in Jerusalem. It's a specific dream for them. It's not necessarily a specific dream for us. See, back in chapter 25, God tells the people through Jeremiah that because they haven't listened to the Lord, they were about to be handed over to the king of Babylon for a period of 70 years. And this whole promise of, you know, I have plans to prosper you, yeah, that, dream, that dream that God's talking about, it's after 70 years of captivity happening first. That verse doesn't sound quite as awesome now, does it? If I said to you, you're, you're going to have to live a life, um, you're, you're going to have the life of your dreams, uh, it's, it's going to be an awesome future ahead of you, you're going to have great family, beautiful home, uh, you're going to have savings set aside, but you're going to have to do it you have to wait 70 years for it to happen. It doesn't sound like a dream that any of us would really be all that excited about. This prophecy is just a foreshadowing of an even greater dream that God had in mind. This prophecy was for the people of Jerusalem. It was to bring them out of one circumstance in one finite moment in history 
is to bring them out of captivity. That was all it was about, a captivity that, frankly, they were responsive for responsible for uh, from their own actions. Jeremiah 29:11. it's not a promise that was made to you and me, but the principle of that promise was given to us through Jesus. What God did for Jerusalem in bringing them out of 70 years of captivity in Babylon, it's just a foreshadowing of how he would bring us all out of spiritual captivity through Jesus in his death and resurrection. And just as this prophecy foreshadows God's plan to prosper us, eventually, this prophecy helps us to understand what God's dream really looks like for all of us. And so I want to quickly hit on three facts that I think we can learn about God's dream for you and me through this this passage. So the first thing is this, God's dream for you isn't dead just because nothing seems to be prosperous in your life. Remember this, Jeremiah was prophesying about this plan, this dream of God to the people of Jerusalem while they were smack dab in the middle of 70 years of captivity. Now I'm sure that they're probably just like me. When I'm in the middle of a crappy situation, I'm really tempted to give up on the idea that God has some great and special plan for my life. Now I actually have moments of true patheticness when it comes to this kind of stuff. The other day my wife, she was ripping on me like crazy as I was trying to tighten uh, some, a loose toilet seat in my house. And I, I hate toilets. I hate tools. If I, if I had all the money in the world, I'm telling you, I would hire a contractor to come and do even the smallest projects at my house. Things like tightening a toilet seat cover. Somewhere in the midst of my disgust at the stupidity of my toilet seat, which it was the manufacturer's fault, it was their stupidity, not mine of course, but somewhere in the midst of, of my frustration, my anger got the best of me. And I may or may not have sort of thrown a screwdriver. Not at not like at anybody. Um, I just sort of threw it down. But it might have landed near people, um, and that person might have been a child of mine. Well, I don't know. But here's the thing: I knew I was going to eventually get the best of that toilet seat. Like I knew that in probably like 15 minutes, I'd be done and I'd be sitting on a toilet seat that was sturdy. But I already had to go to the bathroom. Like, I wanted it done right now. I wanted to be prospering, sitting on a functioning toilet right at that moment. And that's how we want life. Now, we want, it, we want it all good right now. But just because it's not there yet, that doesn't mean that God's dream for you is dead. It's okay. Learn some patience. Sit down and breathe a little bit. Sometimes God wants to, he just wants to play the long game with us. And why does he want to do that? It's probably because it's for our good in some way, shape, or form, for some reason. Remember, God's dream isn't found in the circumstances. It's found in the character. And he's always working to build our character to, so that our character will look more like Jesus, no matter what the circumstances are. His dream is always in play. His dream is always unshakable. And here, now here's the second thing about this dream of God. God's dream for you will eventually be found as you seek Jesus, not the prosperity. His dream will be found when you seek Jesus, not the prosperity. You see, most of the time we get that turned around. We want to kind of run after all the things that we think will prosper our lives. And so we end up running after all the wrong things. And that's called running after our own dreams. And that might not, it might have nothing to do with the dream of God at all. And I want you to please listen to what I'm about to say, and I want you to brand it on your heart. Every single one of us, we need to hear this. I need to hear this. You need to hear this. Here's what it is. Jesus brings real prosperity. 
prosperity doesn't bring you Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Jesus brings you real prosperity. Prosperity doesn't bring you Jesus. Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14 said, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. Now, did you catch the order there? It says, seek me, find me, and then I will give you prosperity. I'll deliver you from all your captivity after seeking me and finding me. You know, you can keep going after all your dreams, and you know what? You can probably have a ton of success in doing that. But real prosperity will pass you by until you come to the place in your life where you seek God first. It's really sad for me to see how many people that kind of seemingly, they, they have everything that this life has to offer, and yet they have nothing of real value. Um, I was in the car the, just the other day with my oldest daughter, um, we were, we were driving, we were listening to one of my playlists on Spotify that I like, and these weren't Christian artists that we were listening to. Some, it was just some good music that I enjoy listening to. And it was super sad because at one point, I think there were about three songs in a row, maybe three out of four songs. I turned to my daughter and I said, this, this singer isn't alive anymore. <laughs> and it was either because of suicide or it was because of drugs. These weren't young guys, old guys, they were actually young guys. And that really hit me, um, that you can have so much in this world and be really a super huge success by so many standards. But without Jesus first, it all seems pretty pointless in the end. You know, God's dream for you is found in Jesus. And when you seek him, you'll find a prosperity that's better than anything else this world has to offer. Now, the third thing about this dream that we're talking about today, uh, it, this one, it, it's kind of all boiling down to this. God's dream for you is to free you from captivity and to give you a future, and he's done that through Jesus. You know, this captivity that we're, I'm talking about, it was your own doing. My captivity is my own doing. Just like Jerusalem's captivity in Babylon was their own doing. They had disobeyed God. They hadn't listened to his words. Their captivity was their own fault, but God, he wasn't going to banish them to that fate forever. They weren't going to be captives forever. There was a future. There was a, there was a future that was in store for them that was good. And you and me, we're, we're like that. We've been disobedient as well. We, we were born into disobedience. And sin has placed us in this captivity that really is our own making. Every time I lie, I put myself in a cell and, I've, and I lock myself into this falsehood that destroys relationships and it erodes trust. Every time I lash out in anger, I lock myself into an isolation cell where no one wants to get close to me in fear that they might be my next target. My sin effectively puts me in captivity. It holds me back from everything that's good in this world. Uh, but on a deeper level, it holds me back from all of the prosperity and goodness that I'm meant to experience in Jesus, in knowing this one who created me and enjoying fellowship with him. Jeremiah's prophecy shows us that there were always plans in place to restore the Israelites and to bring them back from their captivity that they were in in Babylon. But in this case, it was, it was 70 years out. They were going to have to wait 70 years. But that was just one plan for one moment in history. There was an even bigger plan that was meant to get through all this darkness. 
There was a deliverance that wasn't meant for just one group of people at one moment in time. One day, a savior was gonna come and was gonna make everything right. And it happened in Jesus. In Hebrews 9.26 in the New Living Translation says this, but now, once for all time, Jesus has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. That right there is the dream of God for your life. He's already done the work for you. Jesus died to remove your sin, but it was more than that. It was, it was to give you a hope and to give you a future that you otherwise would not have. Today, are you feeling like you're, you're a captive in this world in some way? Are you feeling like there's nothing prosperous in your life? God's dream for your good, it is an unshakable dream. He's already secured this dream through what he did through Jesus on the cross. If you're struggling today, maybe it's time to turn your attention back to Jesus instead of all the other troubles that you're focusing on. Maybe it's time to stop reading the news or stop scrolling through social media and to connect yourself back to Jesus. You know, it's amazing how quickly you can go from lost and hopeless to a place where you're found and content when Jesus becomes the focus of your attention. My question this morning, this morning or this weekend is, do you need to readjust your focus on Jesus today? Why don't you pray with me? Lord, we thank you so much that we can focus on you and that there is this dream that you have for us that's unshakable, that you have a dream for us to, to be made right with God and that you've done all the work in Jesus to make us right. And so God, God, we pray right now that if there's any of us that we're just struggling, we are not feeling right that we feel like all of our dreams are dashed and we're just, we're not in a good place. God, connect us back to your son, Jesus, this morning. God, help us this weekend to, to, to connect to Jesus in a way that matters, in a way that, that draws us to you. Um, God, we need you so much. God, we thank you that you've done the work to connect us to you in this dream of God that we know you. Uh, we give our hearts to you right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.